Hello, Senior Pastor. Uh, what a wonderful morning again, uh, sharing God's Word uh, with, you know, those that have called in, and we hope that we say something this morning that's going Amen. to be of great blessing to those that are listening. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. God bless you. And we're talking today about dynasty of kings established, the dynasty of kings established. Particularly, we're going to be looking at Saul, uh, David, and Solomon. Um, Saul was the first king. Uh, you'll find that in 1 Samuel 8, um, verse 4 through 9, uh, and 19 through 22. Um, 1 Samuel 9, chapter 17, uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, and verses 17 through 25. Uh, for David, you'll find um, his kingship or the story of his kingship in 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13, uh, 1 Chronicles 17, verse 1 through 15, and then last but not least, Solomon, Second uh, Chronicles 1, verse 1 through 6, um, Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 1 through 11, and chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. Now, as we stated that Saul is the, was the first king um, that was established, first king of Israel, and then you have uh, King David, uh, probably the most popular of all these three kings, um, probably the most popular of all the kings. Um, he was considered to be the shepherd king, and then finally, uh, his son, Solomon, uh, was called the Builder King. He was the Builder. Um, and we're going to kind of look at their contribution to the kingdom of God and how, um, you know, what their dynasty or their legacy kind of looks like. Um, the dynasty of the kings of Israel uh, prefigured the eternal kingship of Jesus Christ. And we always look at the Old Testament and it seems as if every time we read, you know, scriptures in the Old Testament, it prefigures or it leads us to uh, the kingship of Jesus Christ or the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, now we know that sinners must submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ for salvation. And I might even add to this statement and say that everyone must submit to the kingship of Jesus Amen. Christ for salvation. Um, we understand that with the death of Joshua, you know, Joshua was leading the children of Israel um, after uh, Moses' death. Um, but after his death, the people of Israel descended into a dark period. And when I kind of read this statement, I was kind of taken aback because it, it tells us that we must be very careful that when we are leading, that we also are mentoring. So though we are leading and we may be the best of leaders, we must also find someone to mentor, um, someone that will take over the reins, so to speak, um, and carry on the legacy and the dynasty um, as we move on in this world, um, especially when it comes to ministry. There's so many ministries that were powerful, um, but 
once the leader left or once the leader died or whatever the case may be, um, you found that that ministry had no continuance. It just stopped. And this is, in essence, what happened uh, with the death of Joshua. Uh, the book of Judges chronicles the disobedience, idolatry, violence, judgment, and deliverance of the children of Abraham. Um, because, of course, they didn't have a leader that would, in essence, um, give them direction, that would show them exactly you know, what to do, where to go. They were almost headless. Um, they were in search of strong leadership, and that was absent. Um, the absence of a single leader like Moses or Joshua led to the social and religious disintegration of the nation. Everyone did what was right in his right. own eyes, according to Judge, mm -hmm. Judges uh, chapter 17, verses 6, um, chapter 21, verses 25. Everybody did whatever they wanted to do. And we find that mm -hmm. in our world, in our society, that when yeah. you don't have strong leadership, um, that the the followers, those that are following leadership, if you don't have strong leadership, they go astray. They tend to make up their own rules, um, live in accordance with their own belief systems. And because of that, there is chaos, absolute chaos. And you have different people fighting for position, different yeah. people fighting for power because they feel they know what's best for those people that um, they want to lead. Now, during this period, the 12 tribes of Israel were governed as a loose confederation under a succession of judges. Now, these judges were not legal functionaries, but men and women anointed by God as military leaders or warlords to deliver the people of Israel from Canaanite Oppressors, And this is quite important. They were not judges the way we see judges now. They didn't sit in a courtroom and, you know, and, and make decisions uh, based on a constitution or based on a law or anything like that. Um, it says here that they were actual military leaders or warlords yeah. uh, that were appointed to deliver the people of Israel from Canaanite Oppressors. Now, in the book of Judges, we are introduced to individuals who lacked moral character. And that phrase jumped out at me, lacked moral character, but were nonetheless anointed by God. Throughout this period, Yahweh judged the Canaanites for idolatry, the Israelites for apostasy, and the judges for immorality. And this is something I wanted to point out because many people think that when they come into a church setting that it's supposed to be harmonious and it is perfect and it is wonderful and there is kind of a, a, a high expectation um, for church leaders, for churches in general. Um, but what we see here as we move on through these lessons, we find out that the church is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And it takes God to carry the church through the, the darkest days, the darkest times. And no one leader is perfect. No one leader is the, um, 
the optimal leader. Um, but God uses these individuals, regardless of their flaws and their misgivings and their shortcomings, he uses these individuals to lead the children of Israel. And that's something that we should take note of. We don't have to be perfect. We are going to be flawed. But if God has an anointing on your life, he can use you regardless of who you are, regardless of your shortcomings. He can use you in whatever situation, position he sees fit. Now, the end of the period of Judges marked a transition in the political life of the nation of Israel with the appearance of Samuel. Samuel was the last judge of Israel and the first of a new generation of prophets. He was the one that God used to anoint, to anoint, to select the first king of Israel. Samuel was a prophet in the manner of Joshua and Moses, a single leader anointed by God to speak to the nation. Samuel was instrumental in the calling and anointing of Israel's first two kings, Saul and David. During the reign of these kings, the 12 tribes of Israel became a united kingdom. Now, like the judges before them, the kings of Israel sometimes lacked integrity before God. goes right back to what I said. Regardless of who you are, and regardless of your shortcomings and your failings, God can use you, but you have to allow him to use you. God anointed the first three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon, to lead the people, but each of them failed God in certain ways. Even so, God never forgot the covenant with Abraham, as we found in, uh, in Genesis chapter 12. God's purpose cannot be thwarted or prevented by human sinfulness. God's purpose cannot be thwarted by human sinfulness. There's so much there that we could talk about, but we're going to turn it over to you, Senior Pastor, um, as you talk about the first King Saul. Amen. Good job. Yeah. And just for clarification, Pastor O, I think that some people might not understand the meaning of the word dynasty. It means right. sovereignty, race, or succession of rulers of the same line or family. And if you need clarification, like the Kennedys, it's called a dynasty, like the Bushes. They are called a dynasty. But um, look the difference here between the earthly kings um, and the eternal kingship of Jesus Christ. They last for a while, and then the dynasty goes out of business, but with God is eternal, and it is everlasting. Another thing I need to note here is that we study these, the first kings of Israel, and we use, it, use them to honor Christ as king of kings and lord of lords, like that clip you played a, a short while ago. We honor Christ, and this morning, I wish that we could have people that honor Christ. We are really playing church, and we need to honor Christ. Um, the, the, the song, our chorus that we used to sing, look in your life, see how you live. We need to use our life 
and we need to honor Christ. Whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, Christ should be honored as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we must submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Now, the golden text here said, and I, I think it will come up later, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And Shiloh came already, born in, in to the womb of the woman, born, and um, is coming a second time. His second coming is eminent. Um, now, another thing I need to know before I move on here, and you said it already, Pastor Ho. Saul and David and Solomon were chosen by God, anointed to lead the people, but each of them failed God in certain ways. Even so, and I think that that was important, even so, God never forgot the covenant with Abraham. And this one also jumped out at me. God's purpose cannot be thwarted by human wrong mistakes or sinfulness. Sometimes people think that their behavior, their mannerism, and their conduct can hinder God's purpose. Oh, no, it can. You go back and read scripture. You can't stop the church. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail. Just thought I would say that and give you something Amen. to do on. But here we find that Israel wanted a king. The Israelites want a king. They wanted a king. Verse 4 to um, verse 9, it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art hold. And you might want to underline that. Behold, thou art hold. And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And God said, Now therefore hearken unto their voice, albeit yet protest solemnly. Tell them that they are wrong. And show them the man of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that act of him a king. And what do we find in this scripture here? That it was a chaotic period of the judges who left the twelve tribes of Israel fragmented and anxious about their future. We have been talking about anxiety from last year in the lessons. Um, and we, we find even at this time that the nation is anxious. There's a lot of anxiety out there. People are wondering what's going to happen. We just lost um, a judge, and people are wondering what's going to be the legacy, what's going to happen. It was the same thing that was happening in Israel. They were facing a political and theological crisis. They had lost confidence in the judges. And they lost faith in the Lord. Now, two things here. They had lost faith in the judges, and they lost faith in the Lord. Now, these two lead to a massive dis disaster. If you lose faith in your leaders, 
and you lose faith in the Lord, trouble. With the cry, make us a king to judge us. And what they were doing here, and if we're not careful, we could be in the same situation that they um, were rejecting the kingship of Yahweh, of God. When they said, make us a king, they were rejecting the kingship of God. And the Lord said unto Samuel, and again, it's not my word, it's the Bible. They have rejected me, verse 7. They have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Because all of God's servants whom he has called, we are just servants of God. We are doing the bidding of God. Too often, says the writer here, national politics takes priority over the purpose of God. National politics, we are right in the midst of that now. And we are paying more attention to what is happening in politics more than we are worshiping and serving God and obeying God. There's no way and no time at all that politics should take precedent over the purpose of God. God's purpose for Israel was that they would be a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. But the people desired to be like everybody else. They desired to be like other nations. Now, we can do that. We told you in a few lessons ago that we are royal priesthood, peculiar people, holy nation, call out from everybody else to do the bidding of God. And I told you two weeks ago that we can't be like everybody else. We have to be different. We are called out to be different. There, this desire was nothing less than idolatry. The desire that they had in wanting a king and rejecting God leads to idolatry. So let's be careful, church. Let's be careful of how we ask for things, of what we ask for, of how we forsake the words of God, of how we are disobedient to what God says. And I know sometimes people say, oh, I want to hear from God. And if God talks to you, I mean, you have been in trouble. And, and I know people say, you think are you alone God I talk to? No, no, no. Never said that. But he speaks because he's not coming down or sending an angel. So he speaks through his servants. He speaks through his ministers. And what God said here is idolatry because they have forsaken me and they are serving other gods. And it's all there that you shall have no other god beside me. It's in the Ten Commandments. So Samuel warned the people of Israel that their kings would establish a regime that would oppress their sons and daughters. That's what they changed for, oppression. And um, because they would cause the people to cry out to God for deliverance, but God would not hear them in that time. So the kings of Judah and Israel would lead God's people down the path of apostasy and divine judgment. Now look at, look at verse, verse 17. And we, we are cutting up everything because of time. God chose his soul. Now, although they cry that they wanted a king, it was still God's choice. They were in God's permissive will instead of God's submissive will. And when Samuel 
saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of. This same shall reign over my people. <laughs> yes, he was going to cause oppression, and that's what they want. Be careful of what we pray for. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head because that was how they anointed people in that time and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord has anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. And when I, this jumped out at me, Pastor, when I was looking at this, that if this was said to me, that you don't have the backing of the Lord, then I would say, no, don't do it. You know, but he didn't. If the people desired a king, God would choose a king. The new king was to be Saul, the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin. And um, this was not people that were up front, per se. Although Kish was a mighty man of power and a man of wealth and military skill, Saul was a person of charismatic presence, very charismatic he was choice and handsome <laughs> and taller than any of the people. In other words, Saul looked like a king. And this also jumped out at me. Looks are deceiving, my friend. He looked like a king. Saul as a young man, looking, he was looking for lost donkeys. And in search for the lost donkeys, Saul find a man of God. And discovers his destiny. God was guiding Saul's life. Sending him to Samuel. To be anointed as captain or commander of Israel. So, you know. Not everybody that comes to you is God's man. The, the church might send a pastor. That is not God's man. Because, you know, people have choices. And they select who they want. I know I don't want this person, and I don't want that person, and that person is too old, and that person can't do this, and that person who can't can do this. Be careful of who you ask for. Be careful of who you look on and think that is God's man when it's not God's man. Yahweh is the only rightful king of Israel, and we just said that a while ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. God will continue to rule over Israel affairs. In spite of him setting up Saul, that was not the person he wanted, but because the person cried for that. Sometimes God will give you what you want if you get out of God's submissive will into his permissive will. He permits certain things to happen to you. Permit you to marry somebody that he didn't want you to marry and know you were going to have trouble because you didn't listen to God or go to that job that he didn't want you to have because it pays a little bit more money. You know, we have to look at all of these things and learn from it. Saul's primary duty would be to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Philistines through military activity. And I think as we go further on into the lesson, I'm going to tell you about that when David was anointed because Saul was so fearful. He was king but him couldn't protect the people all at, at all because it was all about him. After Samuel anointed Saul as Israel commander, the Spirit of God rushed upon him and he prophesied. This was an experience much like the day of Pentecost 
when the Spirit was poured out as a rushing mighty wind. The Spirit of God, although God said you are not the man, the Spirit of God sees Saul, got a hold of Saul, and he experienced a spiritual ecstasy that transformed him. In other words, God gave him another heart, making him another man. And we could pause here to say, no matter how bad you are, or how wretched, or how sinful, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, you are a different person. You have another heart. If you have bad heart, wicked heart, wretched heart, sinful heart, and you come to the church, as long as the Spirit of God surrounds you, you have another heart. It was David who said, created me a right heart and a new spirit, making him another man. Samuel had told Saul that the rushing spirit would signify God is with thee. Why? Because he was going to lead God's people. So God was not going to leave them alone. You know, he was still going to be with them. What a God we serve. That although when we transgress against him, although when we don't obey him, that he's still there to protect us. He's still there saying, I am with thee. Oh, verse 24, the people accepted Saul. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people, the man of the kingdom, and wrote it in a book and laid it upon up before the, the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his own house. Because with the people's acclamation, Saul became king over Israel. Now what's wrong with this? He didn't have God. God said, I will do it because that's what you want. But it led to national apostasy. The people sought a political solution to their national crisis and compromised their unique status as God's priestly people in the world. And this also jumped out at me, Pastor O. They sought a political solution to their national crisis and compromise the unique status as God's priestly people in the world. And again, we say that there is a lot of compromising taking place. You know, I, we see it happening in the church. Oh, we will accept this because of so and so. Well, I hope that sunshine will be different. I hope we won't compromise. I hope that we will obey God in everything we do. The shouts of acclamation would be short-lived. Now they were like other nations, but their king wasn't like other kings. Oh, my Lord. Even though God was with Saul, Saul was not divine. The kings of Israel did not rule by divine right, but by God's permission. Very, very important. Very, very important. We are not our own we belong to God. The church is God's church. The message is God's message. The people are God's people and not ours at all. All right. And Pastor Ho is going to come with the anointing of David 
as a shepherd king. We are transitioning from the king that God didn't want to the second king who we told you here in our former comments that he's called the shepherd king. The first Saul was the first king and that it only notes him as the first king. David was a shepherd king, was a shepherd boy. And then we will go to Solomon, the builder. But um, soon after becoming king, Saul began military campaigns against the enemies of Israel. This led to a confrontation with the Philistine champion, Goliath. The Israelite champion was Saul, the commander of Israel, head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. But he was coward and fearful. Instead, he allowed a young shepherd, David the son of Jesse, to challenge Goliath. Saul's lack of confidence in God, fear of Goliath, and other acts of disobedience would cost him everything. And listen what the writer says here. And then I will give it to Pastor Ho. Anointing without obedience and Tragically. Anointing without obedience. And tragically. It doesn't matter how much you can preach. It doesn't matter how fiery you are. And if you are not in obedience, it's going to end the wrong way. We have seen it. I've been around for a while. And I've seen it. We must be in total obedience. Obedience to those who are over us in the Lord. Obedience to God. In everything that he says. Amen. All right, Pastor, we'll take it from here. Amen. I, I believe that obedience is, is, is a strong article of faith. Um, you cannot obey someone you can't trust. And if we say we trust God, then we must obey him. And, I, I, you know, we find that in, 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 you know, in the matter of Saul. Saul was crippled by fear. Yep. And, you know, when we're crippled by fear and we don't, you know, exercise our faith and trust in God, then as you said, it will end tragically. Um, when we look at David, David uh, was considered the shepherd king, the shepherd king. Uh, and that basically means that he used um, what he learned in shepherding and he transitioned it into how he led God's people. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, we'll start there, it says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, uh, which is uh, David's father, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. Um, so, you know, basically Jesse had, had gone to the house of, I mean, Samuel had gone to the house of Jesse, sorry, and uh, basically, he was looking for someone to anoint. God said, you know, hey, go to this place and find someone. You'll know, you know, who to anoint. And uh, Jesse had gone, uh, Samuel had gone through all the children. Jesse had called all the boys. And after he had gone through all the boys, um, he said, none of, none of these fit the criteria, fit the anointing. And that's very important for us to know because there are times when God is going to call 
someone out of the crowd. And you're going to think, no, this, per- this person? How did God make that mistake? Why is God talking to this person, anointing this person, elevating this person? And you're looking at them, they don't fit, they don't look like a minister, they don't look like a Christian, they don't look like anybody who's supposed to be in church, but God has anointed them to do his bidding, to walk in accordance to his purpose. And you know, um, he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And this is Jesse responding to Samuel. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. He was a shepherd. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance, meaning that he was handsome, and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Um, Long before the death of Saul, because Saul at that point was the king, God acted as the sovereign Lord of Israel, by choosing a new king, basically Saul's successor. God sent Samuel to anoint a king from among the sons of Jesse with specific instructions. God said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, But the Lord looks at the heart. God was looking for a man after his own heart. Whereas Saul had the appearance of a king, David had the heart of a king. Let me say that again. Whereas Saul had the appearance of a king because Saul was, you know, was was strong and and tall, right? David had the heart of a king, the shepherd. God was searching for a king with heart, devotion to Yahweh, and courage to lead. Goliath's challenge demonstrated to all of Israel that Saul did not possess the heart of a king, but the youngest son of Jesse had a strong heart, the heart of a giant, and he pursued the heart of God. Oh, I wish we would pursue the heart of God. You know, you said that, Senior Pastor, that we have been wasting time. We have been wasting time constantly. We have been wasting. There's so much to do in the kingdom, but we need to. We need people who will pursue the heart of God. The name David means beloved one. David was beloved of God and the people from a human perspective, and this is something that is critical to our understanding of this lesson. From a human perspective, the youngest son of Jesse was such an unlikely candidate that Jesse had failed to call him from the shepherd's pasture. David was good-looking, was the smallest of Jesse's sons. When compared to his brothers, King Saul and the Philistine giant, 
David is consistently portrayed as small in stature. And it goes right back to what we were saying earlier in the lesson, that God will use you, you. You may think that you are unqualified, that you are insignificant, that you cannot do what God has called you to do. But look at David. David was insignificant. When compared to the current king, he was small in stature, but God was ready to use him. A shepherd boy tending to sheep, God was ready to use him, and he can use you too. David was a shepherd. David had often defended the sheep from predators, and that ended up being his qualification for defeating the Philistine, Goliath. Um, David would rule over God's people as a shepherd, the protector of Israel. So you see how the, the qualifications for a shepherd came into play. As David protected the sheep, he also became the protector of the children of Israel. Uh, When Samuel anointed David, Saul was still king over Israel. And that's significant because there are times when God is going to call you before he elevates you to that position, um, before you take uh, control of that position, so to speak. He is going to call you. He's going to groom you. He's going to uh, train you. Um, through whatever methods, through whatever means. It could be hardships in life. It could be struggles in life. But hold on because there is going to come a time when you're going to take your rightful place in God's kingdom. But you just have to be patient. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. But you've got to be patient. You've got to wait. You have to wait, and you have to go through the process. Um, in First Chronicles 17, uh, in uh, verses 7 and 8, it says, Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. So basically God was saying to David, I I am making a covenant with you, right? Mm -hmm. And um, listen, I've been with you from the beginning. There are some of us that get so discouraged because we're not seeing it. We're not understanding it. And, and, and we go through life and we, we, we go through the daily routines and we're not, we're not understanding, like, God, what, what, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I doing? Where am I supposed to be? Right? But God was saying to David, as he's saying to us, listen, I've been with you. I've been with you from the beginning. I have been with you. Right? From humble beginnings, God called and anointed David to rule as the shepherd king. Under his leadership, the 12 tribes formed a cohesive nation with Jerusalem as its capital. God empowered David with military skills so that all the enemies of Israel were defeated and there was peace throughout 
the kingdom. God equipped and empowered David with the necessary knowledge and tools and personnel that he needed in order to bring the nation together. God promised that David's house, his royal dynasty, would be established forever in in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 14. The relationship between God and David was one of a special grace in which God promised an enduring mercy that David would need. Oh, God, grant unto us enduring mercy. God, grant unto us enduring mercy. And I want to underline that word, enduring. There are things that are going to come against us, but we want God's enduring mercy to last, to survive, amen, to come through, to make it through, to get through. God grant unto us your enduring mercy. And I hope that you will take from David the lessons that um, have come from his humility, have come from... Now, granted, David was not a perfect leader. And as you read his story, many of us are familiar and acquainted with his story. Um, David was... David became a bad man. But even so, Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, That was his prayer. Even though he stumbled, he went to God, a man after God's own heart, and said, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And may that be our prayer. All right. Uh, Solomon, the builder king, senior pastor. Yes. And Solomon was the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. Now, because he was one of the younger sons, it was very unlikely that he would assume the throne because normally it's the eldest brother or the older brothers. Um, Adonijah conspired with the military commander to claim the throne, but David chose Solomon to succeed him. The Spirit of God was upon David, and David made a choice. He chose Solomon to succeed him. Now, again, I need you to make note of this because some people think that, well, sons should not succeed their parents. It's biblical. You go read the Bible. All right, this beget this and that beget this and that begot that and so on. You need to pay some attention to that. Now, um, It says that the last days of David was very chaotic for the kingdom. Why? Because um, there was so much trouble. David's life and the ending of David's life was full with trouble. um, The first child of David and Bathsheba, and we don't have time to go into that. You could read uh, David's life story here, why he was married to Bathsheba. But um, the first child of David and Bathsheba died, breaking David's heart. David's son, Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamara, out of anger. Absalom 
Absalom and other of David's son avenged his sister killing by killing Haman or Hamnon. Later, Absalom rebelled against his father, that was another son, and was killed in battle. Even though David's house was in disarray because of his sin, God preserved the dynasty. David was not cast from the presence of the Lord, but sustained by the Lord's gracious hand. And we said this because Jesus came from the line of line of David. All right? So the last days of David was very chaotic. Those who were loyal to his brother, Adonijah, was pulled from the temple, purged from the royal court. Solomon and his party acted with great spiritual, political skill to secure the throne. And why? Because in Bible, and the Bible will remind us, that Solomon's success was because of the Lord's anointing. And if we want to be successful, we have to have the Lord's anointing upon our lives. The same spirit that rushed upon David now acted in mighty ways to exalt Samuel's status as the king of Israel. Now, he's called the builder here because Solomon built the temple that his father was not allowed to build. And all the materials and everything was gathered for the temple, but David was not allowed to build it, but his son built it instead. And what happened here? After the temple was finished, if you look at chapter 5 of Second Chronicles, it says, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated. And the silver and the gold and the instrument put he among the treasuries of the house of David. Now make a note of that as well. That although Solomon, although David was not allowed to build the temple, that his son didn't deviate from the vision or the anointing that he had. He brought in everything that his father had prepared. And um, Solomon brought all the elders of Israel and the heads of the tribe and the fathers of the children of Israel. Um, the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king and they were having a feast in the seventh month which would have been in our time, July. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark, and the ark was the, the, the notes, uh, a, a little house that they carry, that denotes the presence of the Lord was with them, and they brought the ark, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests, and the Levites brought up. And what we're saying here is that when the building was finished, Solomon had finished the temple, and it was time for dedication. And um, the instruments were brought in, the singers were brought in, all the important people were brought in, and they came in to one place to worship the Lord and to dedicate the temple. 
and the priest could not minister because the presence of the Lord, as, as the music played and as the singers sang, the presence of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not minister at all. God must have first place. God can do whatever he wants to do. The Spirit of the Lord can take over the service anytime. We have seen it where the Spirit of the Lord moved and there was no message because the Holy Ghost spoke. Now, it doesn't happen every day and it will not happen all the time because the Word is important, but it's God's church and He can act the way that He wants to act through His Spirit at any time. All right? And what they did as they worshipped the, the presence of the Lord filled the temple. It was saying and signifying that God is ownership of the land and of the people. The Ark of the Covenant was the throne of God. By building the temple, Solomon had established himself as the guardian of God's throne. Amen. Worship the house. When the temple was dedicated, it was filled with the cloud of God's glory. Verse 1 and verse 7 to chapter 7, 1 to 2. The temple was dedicated. It was filled with the clouds of God's glory. That's what happened in Solomon's time. And it's also telling us that the temple where we worship, our body is the temple of the Lord, but we have a place that we worship that God's presence must be in the house at all times. And why was Solomon so respected? Why was he a man of renown? Because when everybody else was asking for riches, Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom, for understanding. Pastor Ho, Solomon, renowned for wisdom. The wise man, Solomon. Could you take it from there? Second Chronicles 9, uh, verse 5 and 6 says, And she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. And these were the words of uh, queen, the queen of Sheba. Um, during the first days of his rule, Solomon had asked God for a special gift, wisdom and knowledge, a special gift, wisdom and knowledge, that he might properly rule God's people. And I believe that every leader in every position um, if you are in leadership position, leading God's people, this should be a prayer that all should pray. God, give us wisdom. God, give us knowledge. Because I believe in these times, it is missing. Everybody wants to lead. Everybody wants the benefits of leadership. But we don't ask God for the wisdom and the knowledge to lead. And that's why we have so many 
ministries and churches that are failing because of failing leadership, having leadership ask, asking for wisdom and knowledge. Um, as Solomon demonstrated great wisdom and knowledge in the administration of the kingdom, his reputation increased among the nations. And what that said to me was that the people love good leadership. People love good leaders. People love godly leaders. And when they see that you're leading with uh, wisdom and with knowledge and with purpose and you're being directed by God through the Holy Spirit, then they're going to, they're going to embrace that. They're going to flock that. They're going to love that. Um, and he had a reputation um, uh, that allowed people to love his administration and love the way he would carry on um, and lead them um, according to uh, how God uh, had directed him. Uh, the, the visit of the Queen of Sheba offered Solomon an opportunity to display the glory of his kingdom. The kingdom that was established by Egyptian slaves had become one of the most powerful and the richest kingdoms of the world. After seeing for herself, the queen acknowledged that the greatness of Solomon's kingdom was because of God's love for Israel. During his reign, many other kings would visit Jerusalem, and Solomon became renowned as greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. When you have the backing of God, um, you will be successful, not necessarily in riches. And, and we always point that out because when, you know, especially living in the Western uh, world, living in the United States, we are sometimes um, uh, blinded by what other nations and what other people are going through in the world. Um, we have this coziness uh, to us. Uh, you know, we're able to live, um, pretty nicely, pretty cozily, uh, so to speak. And when we, you know, when we think about God's grace and God's mercy and God's love towards us, uh, we think in terms of riches. But there is so much more that God wants to do for us and, and so much more that God wants to do through us if we allow him to do it. Um, now, the kings of Judah and Israel failed in their covenant with God. They did. Each and every one of them, they were not perfect. They failed in some portion, some aspect of their life. And that's, uh, that's a, you know, a testimony to us. We don't have to be perfect. We strive for perfection. That's different from being perfect, though, because in striving for perfection, we are going to make mistakes. Um, for some of us, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, and it's for us to really pick up, to, to get back up again, get back on our feet and stand firm and allow God to work his purposes out in our lives. Um, God's purposes cannot be thwarted by human conspiracy or sinfulness. And we said that earlier in the lesson, God's purposes cannot be thwarted, cannot be changed by human conspiracy or sinfulness. 
Whereas the kings of Israel proved to be unfaithful, Jesus demonstrated perfect obedience to the Father's redemptive purposes. Jesus was not corrupted by power, wealth, or sexual desire. His perfect humility and obedience was rewarded by the Father's decree that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord yes. of lords. He is awesome. the eternal King. He is the eternal King. And as we close this particular lesson out, we just want to say to each and every one of you, allow God to work his purposes out in your life. There are going to be times of struggle and turmoil, uh, disappointment, confusion. Um, sometimes you're going to question where you are, what you're doing, what is God's purpose for your life. Um, but know that God is with you. As he said to David, hey, I am with you. I have been with you. Just take courage. Uh, just um, take consolation that God is with you in everything that you do uh, for him. He is with you. I'm going to turn it over to you, Senior Pastor, um, so that you can pray for us that our faith be strengthened. Yes, and while we're getting ready to close this segment of the program, um, although Solomon was the wisest man, wisest king, we found that, that he also had flaws. His failure, and the Lord had warned him of the serious consequences if he were not, if he were to forsake the commandments of God that the people would be uprooted from the land and the holy temple would be desecrated. Even so, Solomon, while after many gods, idolatry, and many foreign women, eventually Solomon's kingdom would be divided. And um, if we fail to seek after the art of God, our kingdom, and we all have little kingdoms here, our kingdom will be in ruin. So let's continue to seek the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the evil man forsake his thought and his ways and come unto the Lord. Those who you might be listening today, you have strayed away from God, but you need to come home. I've wandered far away from God, but now I am coming home. Come home to the Lord today if you're not saved. You need to say yes to the Lord. The times that we live in are serious times. Time that demands action. Choose ye this day whom he will Remember I said As for me and my house We will Serve the Lord There need to be a determination We are doing other things that You know it's, it's good for us to do It helps us along Our life's journey 
But the most important thing is to lay treasures up in heaven. God is requiring that of our hand, and if we want to see his face, may we seek him with all of our hearts. May we seek him with a heart of gratitude. Bow your heads and close your eyes, everybody, as we pray this prayer today, as we look to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Father and our God. You are faithful in all your ways. You are faithful in all your works. And all thy works shall praise thee, O God. You know our down-sitting and our uprising, and you know our thoughts are far off. O God, and David said, Whither shall I go from thy presence? If I spread my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and try to fly to the uttermost part of the earth, thou art there, so we can't hide from you. Thank you, Lord, for your love that has been shed abroad in our heart. Thank you that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You told Simon Peter after you asked the disciples, Whom do men say that I am? And they came up with all kind of suggestion what people were saying. Thou art Elias, John the Baptist, some other prophet. And you turn to them and you say, Whom do you say that I am? And Peter, through divine revelation, said, I know who you are. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Help us to know you today. Help us to worship you. Help us to serve thee in sincerity. Oh God, we really want to see your face. So we ask of you that you will cover us with your wings. Oh God, that we will be able to go through our trials and our tribulation and still call on you and still serve thee and still recognize thee as Lord and Savior. We ask that you will make provisions for your children. Some are pressed out of measure. Oh, God, but we pray that you will provide for them. Be the overjiree for them today. Those who are not saved and have not yet acknowledged thee as Lord and Savior, we pray for them today. We have been praying Oh, God, and we pray. We pray for the man, for the woman or the child in the hospital. Oh, God, having terrible situation, ailment, and sickness. But we pray in the name of Jesus today that you will heal. Oh, God, you will deliver. You will set free those behind prison bar. We pray today that they will be listening to some service that will tell them that Jesus loves them. For God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. Help us, Lord, those of us who have been serving thee, not to be weary in well-doing. 
Oh, we have our own situation that we go through. But unto thee we commit our spirit today. We pray for the government. Oh, God, the president and his cabinet, the uh, leader of the opposition, and everyone, oh, God, as we approach this time of election, so many things are happening. But in the name of Jesus, we pray today, as you control the affairs of men, help us to be in your submissive will and not your permissive will. Oh, God, keep us today, those of us who have to minister the words of God, I pray, God, that you will help us, that we will seek your face, and we will please thee in everything that we do. Hear us today, and bless us for the rest of today and the rest of this week, and until you come to call us home, in Jesus' holy name we pray. We say amen and amen.